Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today uh, by Inside Texas's X and O's expert, uh, Ian Boyd. Ian and I uh, discussed what we're going to talk about today, and I think we're going to go in a direction of uh, something that he's been very much in tune with. And, you know, you can call it weaponizing the offense. You can call it prioritizing the number of touches per player. Um, it's something that Ian believes strongly is going on behind the scenes right now at Texas and with Steve Sarkeesian as he gets ready for this upcoming season. How you doing today, Ian? Doing good. Good. You uh, want to lay it out? You want to lay it out for folks really what you're thinking about talking about today? So that, I don't want to I don't want to take words out of your mouth. Well, I don't know. Hopefully people listened to your conversation with uh, Justin the other day where he talked about um, these uh, player led throwing sessions and what's going on there. You know, they brought in Jaleel Billingsley. They brought in Isaiah Nayor. They have Xavier Worthy. Um, Jordan Whittington is healthy. He looks good. Um, and Justin was talking about how Jatavian Sanders is really coming alive with this competition and he wants to play. Uh, this is a five-star athlete. We've all seen what he can do uh, at the high school level. And um, they just have a ton of weapons. They still have Keelan Robinson. Everybody wants to see more touches for Keelan Robinson. That guy can score at any minute. And he's one of four legitimately good running backs on this team. Um, so it's, it's too many mouths to feed. They can't they're not going to be able to get all those guys' touches to their satisfaction. Um, anytime they lose a game, it'll be very easy for fans to say, well, they didn't get enough touches for, and then they'll probably be able to name like five different guys, right? Because there's a lot of guys in this team that could conceivably do something with the ball if they had the chance. Um, so they have to figure out how are we going to design this offense to make the best use of this team, this roster for 2022. And uh, what's interesting to me is how they're going to figure that out and what they're going to land on as the, the way to center the offense and, and what kind of roles that's going to create for guys like uh, uh, Billingsley or Whittington, uh, Nayor, Rashawn, guys that are on the, on the margins, guys who are not Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy, because we know those guys, are going to, those guys are going to get the ball. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think it's a great point because I think a lot of people are trying to figure this out. I mean, what is the next iteration really? look like when Steve Sarkeesian has more tools in the toolbox, right? I mean, <laughs> when he's got more, more, uh, more pieces to play with, what's his offense really going to look like? Um, I think a lot of it is predicated on quarterback play though, correct? Yeah. The, um, so the way I would look at it is, you know, the, the, the knowns include Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy. You know, those guys are going to be involved. They're going to play to their strengths. That's a given. Next is what can your offensive line do, right? Like um, theoretically, you might have all the receivers you want to drop back and throw the ball all day, but can your offensive line protect if you do that? Um, 
you might want to run X, Y, and Z run concepts, but can your offensive line execute those concepts, right? So the offensive line will also determine what they can do. And then it probably at least equal to that is what can the quarterback do? What is the quarterback good at doing? Um, does he need to be like spoon fed obvious reads? What kind of throws can he make? Can he be a threat in the option game, et cetera? Got it. So I don't expect them to be a threat in the option game. <laughs> Let's take that off the table, right? But I think they could be, but I don't think they have any interest in doing that. Gotcha. What, yeah. what, as, as we look at it right now and we talk about the offensive line, what do you think they should be able to do? Let's, let's, if, they, if you think that's the, the starting point outside of Bijan and Worthy just being incredible players, which I agree with, um, what can the offensive line do based on the people that we know of? Not any of the freshmen coming in who are certainly, while talented, definitely uh, bigger question marks. Yeah. Well, I think whether you count the freshmen in the equation or not, run blocking is the obvious major strength known to this team. Uh, Jacob Majors was really quite good by the end of the year last year. Junior Angelau was good as a run blocker last year. Um, and he's got some reps. He was solid in their uh, – um, they have some play-action protection schemes where they pull a guard. So the guard pulls around to block one edge for the quarterback, and then the other edge is blocked by like a double team with a tight end and an offensive tackle. So nobody's on an island, right? And you don't need your NFL left tackle to buy time for your quarterback to chuck it down the field. Um, so I think power run game and play action are going to be the bread and butter for this offensive line. I think they will be good at run blocking. I think that if they do incorporate freshmen early on, it's more likely that those freshmen are good at run blocking than that they're good at dropping back and pass protection a lot. Um, you know, you look at these kids' highlight films, it's usually mostly run blocking. You're not dropping back 40 times in a high school game at very many places. Um, so yeah, power run game, inside zone, gap schemes, and then accompanying play action, I think is absolutely what they're going to want to focus on. And I think reasonable to believe they could actually be, be pretty good at it. So let me, this is a, you know, I, I was looking through stats last year. I have a couple stats that I, that were surprising to me. Um, first of all, Roshan Johnson had more yards per carry than, than uh, B. John Robinson. Yeah. I mean, Roshan averaged 5.9 a carry, Bijan 5.8. Now, obviously, uh, Bijan got double the number of carries, uh, but still, that's a healthy clip for Roshan Johnson. Keelan Robinson averaged more than both of them at 7.2 yards a carry. Yeah. Um, so the run game was, was healthy last year, so much so that this is one of the things that, that really scares me. Texas gave up a good number of sacks last year, but did not have very many sacks for their defense didn't you know, create many sacks on the opposing offense. Even so, even with all of that, right? So basically the quarterbacks uh, at Texas racked up some negative yardage on big sacks, whereas Texas didn't rack up any negative sack yardage on its, not much sack yardage on its opponents. And theoretically those two things cause your rushing numbers to be skewed in the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. Listen to this. As bad as Texas was on run defense last year, 
Texas outrushed on average its opponent. 5.3 yards uh, a pop co compared to 5.2. I mean, that, that to me is just – that's a phenomenal stat compared – considering just how bad the Texas run defense sucked at times last year. That is interesting. You, uh, you wouldn't have guessed that that would – you know, you wouldn't guess that they were 5-7 and seven from that stat. Right. That's, that's exactly my point. So, you know, what does this get back to for me? And that's, you know, you mentioned Bijan and, and Worthy. You mentioned, uh, you know, not necessarily needing these prolific run, run uh, or excuse me, pass blockers if you're going to be power, power uh, football slash play action, right? But as we both know, they used both Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley a bunch in pass protection last year. Do you see them continuing that trend this year uh, with Jaleel Billingsley, Gunnar Helm, Jatavian Sanders? What do you see there? See, that's just the thing, right? Because everybody gets excited about Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, I mean, he's exciting. He's an exciting player. Everybody gets excited about Jatavian Sanders. Um, right now, if you were going to bet on which tight end is going to most likely to see the field the most for Texas, you would bet on Gunnar Helm because he was the best blocker last year. He's likely to be an even better blocker this year. He was a little bit live last year. He wasn't that thick yet. Um, they, yeah, they need that. They need the tight end to block for Bijan Robinson and Rashawn Johnson. They need the tight end to help the young tackles. Um, it, when they play with two tight ends, the second guy is going to get some action in the passing game. But when they play with one tight end or when they're in two tight ends, you better believe one of them is going to be a blocker and he's going to be on the field because of his blocking. So right, right then and there, you already have a role for uh, Gunnar Helm, unless Sanders can surpass him as a blocker this offseason. Um, and you have the marginalization of potential roles for the other tight ends, right? Because if they're not going to block as well as Helm, he's going to get a lot of tight end snaps that they cannot get. A, a year ago, Texas tight ends caught – roughly 30 passes. Uh, Kate Brewer caught 21, Jared Wiley nine a year ago. Doesn't include uh, catches uh, by Juan Davis. Uh, you know, what, what do you expect out of the tight ends then this year in comparison? I, to me, this is kind of the, one of the mysteries of the off season um, is just what exactly, because they could play, um, they could play with two running backs and a tight end could borrow some Amerian stuff or just expand what they were already doing and play Rashawn and Bijan at the same time, but play them with a tight end. Uh, I think that the players involved are flexible enough to make that work. They are uh, by design supposed to be a base two tight end team. So we still might see plenty of that. And then they played a lot of 11 personnel last year as well. So Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
I, I would imagine that Gunnar Helm would get a role kind of like Jared Wiley last year, where he's on the field a lot blocking, but he catches, you know, 10 balls or fewer. And then if uh, Sanders or Billingsley were able to earn a role where they're on the field as much as Brewer was last year, then, you know, they could catch one of those guys could catch 30, 40 balls or at least 20 balls, you know, because they might be on the field a lot in the middle of the field. But if they're playing with more two backs or they're playing with uh, 11 personnel to get Jordan Whittington on the field, then the number drops precipitously. So I want to add, before I ask you this question about Isaiah Nayor and Jordan Whittington that you've talked about a little briefly, I want to mention that Ian works for uh, InsideTexas.com to read all of Ian's latest work as well as mine. Uh, please visit InsideTexas.com and consider a subscription uh, there. We also have a lot of recruiting news, team information, uh, that sort of stuff from a bevy of writers uh, as well. Please consider a subscription, just a free subscription here to our YouTube channel and our uh, podcasts. Uh, on the bottom right-hand portion of your screen, there's a little red button. It uh, really helps us if you subscribe to this. Once again, that action is free. Um, so let's let's forward on to the to the wide receivers now because I, I look at it and and we both know this. Everybody that was a Texas fan knows this. Jordan Winnington went down. The passing game went to hell. <laughs> so uh, it it became a one man show with Josh Moore being the answer for a bit, but he was inconsistent. Uh, it went to Marcus Washington not being necessarily good enough to really get open. Um, it went to Kelvante Dixon, like as a last man standing type of thing. Yeah. Um, now that Texas is going to have a tr what we believe is a true second threat in the passing game with uh, Nayor, what do you think that looks like uh, realistically? Um, does it mean um, are, are, like, is it possible that Jordan Whittington becomes the second running back in some, some, some sorts of some sort at times uh, to keep more receivers on the field? What, what even happens uh, when they try to get two better receivers on the field? Cause I'm thinking back, I mean, the last time, and I don't mean to overstate this, the last time Steve Sarkeesian had two guys this similar or, or talented, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. And Waddle lined up everywhere. Well, when Waddle got hurt, Devontae Smith lined up everywhere, right? And so is that something we could see out of him or is, is Nayor strictly an X receiver, that big outside guy? So I'm, I'm trying to, and then all of a sudden, Jordan Whittington becomes that other jack of all trades type. I, my guess would be that they keep Nayor on the line he stays on the field a lot. Um, Worthy is kind of the main move weapon, like, uh, like Devontae Smith was for Alabama. And then Whittington, I think, has to fight with Rashawn Johnson and the running backs and with Billingsley and the H-back tight ends for a spot on the field. Uh, I think he'll be the slot, and he needs to show that playing with a slot is a better way for this team to move the ball than playing with a second tight end or a second running back, which is a tough spot to be. Um, and I think that also will depend on the quarterback because when you're in a, when you have a slot, then you need to, you're, you're running RPOs. That's the way that works. Um, I've got another depressing stat for you. 
after I told you that, that Texas actually outrushed its opponents yards per carry last year. Here's another one. Xavier Worthy had more yards receiving than Jordan Whittington, Marcus Washington, and Josh Moore combined. That's not surprising. That is, it may not be surprising, but that's kind of depressing. It means Texas really didn't have a number two last year. Whittington likely would have been that had he not been injured. Uh, he actually had more than anybody. The, the second He had the second most receptions on the team. So, I, I mean, I guess my, my thought process, uh, he actually tied with B. John Robinson for second most receptions on the, on the team. I guess my my thought process here is, where are all these? You know, is are we looking at forty catches for Naor? Are we looking at thirty? Are we looking at fifty? Uh, is Xavier Worthy going to get more work? I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out. Really, you talked about ball about distribution, right? And what they're going to be and how they get everybody their touches. What does that look like to you? I mean. In an ideal world, you know, does Bijan touch it 20 times a game via run and pass? More than that, does Worthy get, you know, seven to eight catches a game? I mean, what, what does that look like to you? I think um, Worthy gets around 10 targets a game. Um, I think Nayor has numbers that are probably something like 30 to 40 catches, but higher on the yardage. So like 700 to 900 yards, I think he's getting his targets down the field. Whittington, whether he's able to see the field regularly or not, I think he'll end up with uh, somewhere in the 30 to 40 catch range. I think he'll be a third down guy. As long as he's healthy. As long as he's healthy, yeah. Um, unless Billingsley beat him out as a third down weapon, which uh, I would not probably not bet on as long as, as Whittington is healthy. I thought my my expectation for uh, Billingsley's, Billingsley's role in the offense was much higher before they added Naor. Now that they added Naor, I feel that he is kind of thrown into the into the lobster bucket with uh, Whittington and Rashawn trying to, you know, earn his earn his time. Um, and then Bijan, you know, if they play with two running backs a lot, Bijan could get his twenty touches by fifteen runs and five catches as often as not, you know. He showed last year that he can, you know, week one against Louisiana, they like flexed him out in the slot and he ran a skinny post. Um, you know, they, sometimes they would go empty and he'd run like a little Wes Welker option routes in the middle of the field. So I, I think that they could uh, accommodate him getting to 20 touches while still getting more carries for Rashawn if they wanted to, if they wanted to do things that way, especially especially if Hudson Card was the quarterback, because you notice they did that stuff more when Hudson was in there than with Casey and uh, Quinn. We'll see where he would be in terms of executing drop back concepts like that. Uh, he hasn't been around as long. Card will be, have more experience for that. So what do you think about Roshan Johnson? Does he need more carries, more touches next year? I think Rashawn, um, the comparison I made in, in the column today we're not talking quite the same level of talent, obviously, but I, I, I made the note that uh, Sarkeesian's 2005 USC team, where he was a quarterback's coach, they gave Reggie Bush 200 carries. They gave Lindale White 197. And I think that they could, it, it would not shock me if they gave Bijan Robinson 200 carries and Rashawn 100, 150, uh, depending on 
how much they need to involve Keelan or, or Brooks. But uh, I, I think Rashawn will be a more equal partner this year because of how good he was against K-State, against K how important he is as a team leader, how hard he works. I think you want that guy more prominently involved this year. So spring practice comes around. Um, what exactly are you looking for from this? You mentioned this kind of amalgam of players they have, this mix of players they have. They could go more two back. They could, you know, spread them out wide uh, more with Whitting. I mean, what are you kind of looking for to really be, you know, hey, this is what I think they're going to do. What, what are two or three things that you're looking for? One will be how tight end shakes out. Um, can, J can Jatavian Sanders push Gunnar Helm for the Y inline blocking tight end spot? Um, how Gunnar Helm is doing as well. And then I'm going to look for things like how much two back formations are they running? And how Whittington and Billingsley look as receivers. There's some roles that will be there no matter what, like on third down, you're going to spread things out and you're going to want a guy who's open at the chains. So that's going to be a role that exists. But then how often that, that could be like Billingsley, that could be Whittington, but does that guy see the field that often on first and second down, or are they rolling out the tight end so that they can power the ball? Um, yeah, I, I think just the formations they use and then which guys are getting the buzz out of Rashawn, Whittington, and Billingsley um, was going to tell you where they where they want to focus um, personnel package wise, and which guys are going to end up claiming the top roles. I have a question for you. This is going to this is a, another. I was just looking at stats uh, this morning, and I, I saw something that also interested me. So Texas does a lot, and, and Sarkeesian's known for it, a lot of the orbit motion type stuff. Uh -huh. um, they did not. You. They did not go to the guy in the orbit motion very often last year because theoretically they're throwing. Uh, those are backward passes, right? If they hit the guy in the orbit motion, I, I'm looking at it. Last year, only two carries, two carries from scrimmage. Uh, one each from Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. Does that, does that surprise you? Is that something that tells you they may need to mix that up more next year? Is that pretty normal in your opinion? I mean, only one run each with that, that much motion. Does that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm self-scouting here or what, but my question is, what does that really tell you about the orbit motion type stuff that you see? Well, last year they did mix in a lot more of those, um, I call them stit sweeps. I don't know what the common term is. Bob Stitt, that air raid guy, is the one that invented it, where the guy runs across in front of the quarterback and the quarterback forward pitches it to him. It's like a shovel pass. Yeah, but not a, not the old one. Yeah. Those count as passes in the stats. Yep. They use those a lot with both Whittington and with Worthy. Um, yeah, but that's not, that's not the orbit motion. Right, but I think that... that I think that that was maybe one of their preferred ways when they wanted to get guys the ball going across the formation. I think they liked the forward sweep. I think orbit, maybe they were using more for uh, clearing out the box to just run the ball. Um, 
that's just spitballing. I, I haven't thought about this too much before this very moment, but um, yeah, I, I think they like orbit motion partly just for the eye candy and for forcing defenses to adjust so they can run the ball or maybe throw it backside um, based on how the safeties respond to the motion. Gotcha. So really you're looking for, just re-going re over this, you're looking for Sanders versus Helm as yeah. blockers and then just Helm in general as block blockers yeah. this spring. And then you're also looking for how much two back they use. Mm -hmm. And then you look at, you're looking at the question of Whittington or Billingsley, who's that third down guy kind of, or who's that guy that, that helps him. Is there any chance that Billingsley becomes that inline guy? You mean, I mean, there's a chance. I, when I watched that guy's Alabama film, he was a better blocker than I was afraid he would be, but that, you what know, that, what, wait, wait, time out. He was a better blocker than you were. What does that mean? I was afraid he was going to be awful. Oh, okay. Absolutely awful. Okay. He was not absolutely awful, but he's not, you don't want that guy at the point of attack routinely for Bijan and Roshan, right? It's, it's not worth it. Like you, you're going to win games next year, running the ball with Bijan and Roshan. So the tight end needs to fit into that paradigm. And I, I would be shocked, especially from what we've heard about Billingsley's uh, commitment to his craft thus far in Austin. I, I just can't imagine that guy turning into Gronkowski in the next couple months. And, and, and now on third down, you know, they could put him as the inline tight end and play Whittington. Right. And they very well might do that because then you're not worried as much about blocking. You just get good guys out in patterns. But that's a, you know, that's a much more limited role. Gotcha. Um, do, in your opinion, do any of these alignments prefer one quarterback over the other? <sighs> yeah, I think um, with Quinn Ewers, you're more likely to get more blocking tight ends on the field because he can hit every throw anywhere on the field. So you don't need... Um, you don't need slot receivers that are really good. You just need a guy to hold the middle so he can chuck it outside. Um, you're going to just be running the ball and then throwing it to the four corners of the earth with Quinn Ewers. With Hudson Card, you have more experience um, in the spread passing game. And a weaker arm, he, he can definitely hit some outside throws, but he was a little, he, he wasn't great on those yet. And he was good immediately in the intermediate stuff. So I think with Hudson Card, um, you're more likely to use flex tight ends and spread sets. And with Quinn Ewers, you're more likely to be looking to overpower people with numbers in the box and then with cannon shots outside. So, yeah. And How much improves? I mean, another topic too. We haven't we haven't really gotten this since Nayor came on board and, and is 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 and Billingsley, I think we talked about it right when he came. How much improvement do you really expect from Texas on offense this year? I mean, they're really only losing the tight ends. Yeah. And one offensive line. Yeah. I, I guess the quarter and the quarterback. Sorry. Sure. Um, I I think they will be a lot better. They have more weapons, like you noted, the passing game cratered when Jordan Whittington, when Jordan Whittington went out. 
They didn't have another credible number two receiver. Now we're talking about how they have two pretty established receivers in Worthy and Nayor, and then they have a battle for who's going to be the next guy up. You know, Sanders, Billingsley, Whittington, Bijan, maybe, right? Jaden Blue, if he were to have a shocking offseason, right? So, um, I mean, they just have so many more bullets in the gun. It, it would be shocking if they weren't significantly better. It's going to be very hard to, like you mentioned, Rashawn had better yardage than uh, yards per carry than Bijan last year. I think part of that was he had a couple long runs on wildcat plays. But I think another part of it was that when Rashawn took over at the end of the year, when Bijan was out, teams were teams pivoted to ganging up on, on Xavier Worthy instead of the run game. So Rashawn got friendlier boxes than Bijan did. Um, next year, they have so many, it's going to be hard to gang up on anybody. Yeah, I, I'm sure they'll try. I, I'm sure I'm sure some uh, opposing uh, defensive coordinators um, will try. With this offense, I, I hate to – you can't – it's hard to be, you know, go back and tell us what if. With, with the same people on this offense versus last year, how many games that were losses turn into wins? A lot. I mean, I mean – I, I posted a, a screenshot on Twitter uh, when Quinn Ewers committed or right before he committed to Texas that showed um, the defensive looks Texas was getting last year with Casey Thompson, where you had like Oklahoma State. They played a nickel defense, but they had 215 pound safeties that were sitting within like eight yards of the line of scrimmage. And then they're not backpedaling at the snap. So they're in the box like that. And then I showed a screenshot of how uh, Duncanville played South Lake Carroll in the, uh, I think the semifinals of Quinn Ewer's junior year. And Duncanville's safeties are backed up outside the hash marks at like 20 yards back um, because they're so afraid of his arm. And uh, uh, consequently, Owen Allen ran for like 200 yards. You cannot play Texas with the Quinn Ewers and Worthy and Nayor the way the teams played Texas last year. The way the teams were able to gang up on them and um, just totally, you know, the parade of three and outs we saw in the second halves last year, especially when like Texas would, would, they would run out of their offensive play script, right? And they wouldn't be able to catch defenses off guard and defenses would just load the box and stuff them. You cannot do that if yours is healthy and at the helm and throwing the ball outside. You're just going to die a very quick death. Every, the, the whole, everything about the way teams defended Texas in the running game last year changes if either card is better and more comfortable in the rpo game or yours is at the helm chucking posts every other snap to so one i thought texas's offense looked predictably bad in a, in a couple games second half of oklahoma state yeah right all of iowa state yeah and the second half of baylor um those are you throw oklahoma in there a little bit too well, a little bit in the second half, OU, but not much. I mean, they still moved the ball a little bit when they had to. The others, I felt like they looked like they were DOA at times during the game. I mean, just not not a, 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 able to do that. Um, is that you, you think that is something that can be remedied not only with personnel, obviously, um, but also 
Uh, is there anything that, for example, Steve Sarkeesian might do that could be more creative if he has more talent on hand? I do think that um, they are probably able to design more plays this year because they have guys that have been in the system. Um, this spring, they'll be going over familiar concepts with this offensive line, with most of the receivers, with all the running backs. They have a few weapons to plug in that are new, but a lot of it is going to be, they don't have to do as much basic install of here's how we want you to run this route. Here's what this language means and wh where you're supposed to line up. Right. So then they can move on to uh, fine tuning to make the most of the players they have. So I do think that that will expand how creative they can be, um, which will help a lot. They also, just the personnel differences are so huge. I mean, teams were not afraid of Texas throwing the ball outside last year, especially once Casey Thompson's uh, thumb was limiting him in the, in the end of the year. Um, you take that away and it just, it puts you in a box. So. Yeah. I, I would love to see Texas. I, I, the, the teams that they had a lot of problem with played the safeties up. I mean, just that's, that's no doubt about it. Baylor did the same thing um, that Oklahoma State did to a degree that that uh, Iowa State did to a to a degree. Iowa, and, State, uh, Iowa State probably the only exception. Iowa State and Arkansas kept their safeties back, and they whipped Texas's offensive line. So that one, they need a different cure for those two games. But Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, with what about West Virginia? West Virginia played back, actually. They played back, which is why Texas ran for like 200 yards in that game. Um, they disguised a lot, but they, they played more back. Um, that, that one, I, I would pin that game on uh, quarterback injuries and the defense was putrid. Got it. All right. I think that I think that all makes sense. I think we got a good talk about, you know, some of the things we're looking forward to this spring uh, that you're looking forward to specifically. Uh, we also had some uh, interesting discussion overall. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, once again, uh, I'm Bobby Burton. And for Ian Boyd, this has been Inside, or on Texas football uh, for Inside Texas. Uh, please consider a subscription to Inside Texas. Also, please consider a subscription to our podcast and videocast here on YouTube. Thank you. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.